Hi everybody, you're listening to The Rope Podcast with Box and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you are not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. Rope bondage is a risky activity, and you shouldn't attempt it without first getting proper training. Listen to episode zero if you haven't already. Fox is a rigger, and Maya is a bottom. We are long-term rope partners who live in Bangkok, Thailand. We love to share our passion for rope with the wider community. This episode is made possible by our patrons who support us each month. If you would like to help, head to ropepodcast.com to see many options. This year, we want to focus on bringing the Rope Podcast to a wider audience. To achieve that, we would like to ask you to follow us on Instagram and reshare this episode in your Instagram stories. We are Rope Podcast on Instagram. Another thing that helps us is if you give us a star rating on Apple Podcasts. It's anonymous, so you won't have your name visible on the internet connected with a kinky podcast. Don't worry. And now, going on with the show. My, it's that time of the year again. It's the holiday season. It is the season of merriness and cheer. Happy holidays to all our dear listeners who have been with us all year in 2023. Happy holidays. So, Maya, we're going to do our usual thing that we do every Christmas since the start of the podcast, which is our guests from this year are going to come back and tell us a story of one of their favorite rope scene ever. And it's one of our most popular episodes. It is so fun to hear all the stories and what matters to different people and what they remember and why. I found that so fascinating and so entertaining at the same time. And also, I think it gives listeners, especially new listeners, um, an idea of what scenes can look like if you haven't had very many. Okay, that's a great point. I remember when I just started learning rope many years ago, I was like, but what's a rope scene exactly? Because you can easily find online examples of a tie, of a pattern, of a certain knot. But it's not so easy to have concrete examples of what a rope scene can look like. And if you don't have the opportunity to go to many kink parties, for example, uh, maybe you've never seen a rope scene. Mm -hmm. But what are we going to do first? First, we're going to do a new thing, which we've not done in the previous Christmas episodes, Maya. We are going to have a little bit of a look back on uh, 2023 and a review of our rope year. So a more personal rope year from Fox and Maya. Yeah, exactly. All right. So tell me about your rope year. It was a big one for you. It was a big one for me and a very big change that happened in 2023 for me is that I went full time with my rope activities. So that includes the podcast, that includes creating rope content and obviously tying a lot of rope. And you also did something quite exciting in that you made a book. I did a book. You did a book. So tell us about your book. Uh, well, we have a whole episode about that, episode 160, so I don't want to repeat everything, but it was a big uh, milestone for me. Uh, it's something I'd always wanted to do, and it's also something that helped me cement my robe style, I would say, by way of documenting it and that was for me concomitant with defining my rope values which is something we talked about in episode 155 rope values and both of those things combined for me into a much more 
stable, clear understanding of what my rope style is like. I would say those two episodes are some of my favorites too. I found it really interesting to interview you about the book. Mm -hmm. And despite having been the model in the book for all 60 positions, I still found out new things in the interview. Mm. And speaking of that, that was one of the big things for you in 2023 was modeling for rope photos. You did a lot of that with me and with other riggers as well. Mm, which is a newer thing. So before um, this year, we did photos, but we tended to take photos of scenes rather than mm -hmm. photos for photos. And to be fair, a number, in fact, probably the majority of the photos in the book, we still uh, played in them. Yeah, usually <laughs> we would take the photo and then have our fun um, afterwards. But um, but the purpose was initially um, the photographs, which was a bit different. And it was important for me that we play in those positions because that's what I want my style and my book to be about is positions you can play in and not mm. just positions that look pretty. I think for me, the most personal episode was on chronic pain. Of course. Um, so sharing about that was uh, very vulnerable. How has your chronic pain been this year? Yeah, it's not been great. Yeah, it's quite <laughs> spiking, especially towards the end of the year, right? Yeah, and one of the challenges for me around rope is at the same time as you're getting to do rope full time, I'm working long hours very mm -hmm. hard and so my rope I would say has reduced a little bit at the end of this year which hopefully I can balance out again next year. Yeah that can be difficult when you see your partner getting to do a lot of rope and you don't have as many opportunities yourself. Mm. I'm I very think, thankful for your support. <laughs> I think the the favorite interview we did for me was Midori mm -hmm. just because she is such a a heroine of rope yeah and it was so interesting to hear her talk about unusual ways to play and also really busting some of the myths of Japanese rope bondage yeah and she's really in a unique position being um, Japanese herself and having seen those things firsthand and understanding the language but also being so included and fundamental in the Western and American kink scene that she can really bridge those two worlds mm. in a way very few people are capable of. Mm. Um, and I also loved the JP, uh, the Pope episode. Mm. He is so humble and mm. nice yeah. um, and so interesting. His stories are amazing. So um, I'll drop the episode numbers of all of those in the podcast. Yeah, and it's such an honor for me to have uh, JP uh, write the foreword to my book like he did this year. Like, yeah. Um, Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. We really want to share our love of rope to as many listeners as possible, and for that we need your help. Please go to Instagram and follow our account Rope Podcast, then reshare this episode in your stories. Show your love of rope and help others discover it too. So one other thing we did this year, which was new, was performing in mm -hmm. public. Now, we don't haven't done that before, mainly because of identity challenges. So mm -hmm. we're people who um, don't don't want to be out because um, mm -hmm. of our, our jobs and our family situations. Um, so we did a performance. We did it in masks. That was the way we hid our identity. Yeah. So how was that different for you this year? It was interesting. It was... A lot of energy to input, uh, the whole preparation, the practice, the rehearsal, the setting myself up both psychologically and physically to be able to perform. 
Um, the performance itself lasted for maybe, what, 30 minutes tops? But the whole preparation for it was days. And then the recovery from it was a couple days as well. Yeah. So I would say that's something, if you want to do it properly, don't underestimate the amount of energy and effort it takes. Yeah, I think it was quite fun for us. Uh, coming up with a concept, applying so many of the things that we've learned by watching many, many tens of performances, at least, um, and really putting what we believe can be a good performance into practice. And we got Mm. good feedback, I think. Um, I think so. A lot of our friends showed up. A lot of people from the public showed up. It was pretty much a full house that night. Yeah, we were very lucky. Uh, Everything went well. We had a video backdrop, an animated backdrop, and the technicality of that worked well. I was a bit worried like Mm. something would go wrong during the performance, but everything was super fine. Uh, We had a very friendly host who did a great job of managing the music for us. Everything went actually pretty smoothly. So that was another interesting thing. And then we also both initiated personal Instagram accounts this Mm -hmm. year, which is probably small for most people. But for us, again, it was a different thing because of identity. We've tended to keep our photos on FetLife. Yes. Um, But that also uh, meant some changes in some of our photos, right? Yes, and that's interesting to what extent the policies of different platforms can warp the content one is able to produce and distribute because obviously Instagram allows much fewer things than FetLife does. Mm. And so we had to create a type of rope expression that we still like, that still feels authentic, but can fit in this more more restrictive framework. Um, and the other thing that we've done as part of our, well, part of your going full-time in rope is create a rope house. Yes, House Corday. House Corday, which we published the book under. Mm-hmm. And also we have a really pretty website, mm-hmm. which ha- hosts the podcast now, and that will evolve, I think. Yeah, I think uh, we're going to add more content to that website and find new ways to leverage it Mm. and you're able to book your rope people through that as well which is quite fun yeah and for me that is part of a bigger change we made in 2023 which is we stopped being polyamorous Uh, we closed off that part of our relationship we're now romantically exclusive with each other Uh, whilst remaining open, which means we still play, including sexual play potentially with other people. But it has changed a bit the way we frame our interactions with other people and especially in rope. And it has allowed us to set more precise boundaries Mm. with our play partners. And you've done some writings on that to really make it as clear as possible, Mm. given the number of people that you play with and the number of people you do work with yes and so having those very clear explicit boundaries coupled with the fact that through the website now people can directly book sessions for me puts my rope activity in a bit of a different light and it's very well framed and very well contained and there's a a healthy aspect to that i think Mm -hmm. and you're not taking money for those sessions because Mm -hmm. of the way that we live in thailand Um, so that's an interesting piece as well Uh, yeah i neither want to nor am able to charge for those sessions for a variety of reasons and so it's still very much a labor of love something I do out of passion but it's now framed in a way that 
also makes it a bit more professional if there can be such a thing as a professional activity you don't get paid for. We're still uh, looking for our terms there. Yeah. And then we also had a big focus on mindfulness. Tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, so that's more our personal rope that mm. we do together. And luckily for us, we managed to still do a lot of rope together yeah. in 2023. I would say we probably tied together three to seven times a week throughout <laughs> the year. Yeah, maybe. Which uh, I feel very lucky. I don't know if many people have the opportunity to... Uh, tie this much with their primary rope partner and one thing we did focus on was indeed mindfulness where we, what we do essentially is we start from something like mindfulness of breath which is a very well-known exercise in mindfulness training and we replace the breath by the rope so we bring back our attention over and over again on the sensation of the rope and for you that would be the rope on your body and for me, that would be things like the rope running through my hands. And whenever our attention strays away from that, we bring it back on that focal point. And I feel that has allowed us to be much more in the present mm. when we tie. And yeah, for me, that's been a big positive. Another thing I'm quite pleased about, Maya, is that I think we got through 2023 without a single major rope injury in our rope practice. Yeah, between us, we had no big, big um, rope injury. And that's kind of a big deal, given we did a lot of hard things rope-wise together. There was the performance, there were some very, very difficult positions we did for the book. Uh, and even in our play at things like parties and rope jams, we were ambitious with some <laughs> of our concepts and ideas. And we didn't break you. And yeah. we didn't break me either. Yeah, yeah. We didn't break either of us. Uh, and one thing that maybe helped with not breaking me and being able to move you in a safer way was that I applied to myself the advice I gave in episode 142, which was strength training for rope. And I have now moved to an exercise program that I designed specifically to improve my performance and my safety as a rigger. And I do feel that has actually been quite productive in protecting my body from injury and in making it easier for me to lift you, for example, uh, from the ground and into those suspensions and bring you down in a very controlled way as well. I'm going to say that's my favorite rope podcast cover from the year. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Maybe we should uh, put it on the T-shirt or something. Um, I also found it fun to bring psychology into some of our episodes. So mm -hmm. the values episode, the ritual episode, the feedback episode, all of those had quite a lot of things from my other worlds yes. um, and it was enjoyable to really apply those to the rope context. And it seems hard to deny that psychology has a deep, deep place in rope bondage. A lot of the things we do are physical, but they are so linked to what happens in the brain. Absolutely. All right, so Maya, should we move on to going back to our guests this year and hearing what their story of one of their favorite rope scenes is? Sounds good. All right, so let's start with Midori. So I'm going to go with this one. It was uh, many years ago in Washington, D.C. in a 
dungeon that no longer exists, but there was one person, Bada Ming, was this handsome, strong young man, and there were five of us women. Wow. There were five of us women. And his fantasy, he's a big comic, comic nerd, right? And in comic books, there's all this like pow, kapow, and, and fantasy was the superhero taking on uh, five supervillains and being thrown through the wall, right? So here's what happened. Uh, we talked to the owner of the dungeon, and he had some construction skills, so he made a fake wall with drywall. Holy shit. And put a bunch of mattresses on the other side. And so everyone knows this, right? Everyone, uh, he knows it, we know it. So beforehand, we all signed the wall, and... Then he gets down to like sexy tight jeans and a rib tank top. Uh, and then we're all in our black clothes with faster pussycat kill kill type boots. And we've all got ropes, but we're using it like lasso. And he's a strong man. He's big and strong. And we're like five small, strong and wily and clever, but small women. <laughs> all of us, each of us with different talents. Like one of them good at punching. Me kicking somebody else and then so we all had like a rope and then we'd try to like catch his ankles or hand kind of like a rodeo like catch the calf's ankles and he would like pull the rope and try to get us off balance and we'd surround him and uh, also slightly reminiscent of a, a, a constable capture scene in a particular kabuki theater but and then we'd rock on and he we'd I'd catch a, a foot in a lasso and then he'd pull us down and he'd sit down, roll over and try to catch us off balance and then he'd fight back and and eventually a bunch of crazed villainous spiders, we wrapped him up in our rope and then finally all five of us together just lift him up and threw him through this wall that shattered wow. and he went in a, just like in a Marvel comic with like the back arching and getting thrown into the wall and breaking apart and we like a bunch of villains ha 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 laughed and put our boots on top of him ha 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 it was fun that is amazing yeah thank you for sharing this dramatic and cool scene with us midori <laughs> oh wow maya that is quite the scene isn't it I think enacting a fantasy is amazing, especially going to that length and trouble to make sure it's as realistic as possible for the person. And that's one thing I find with the scenes that stay with us for a really long time are often the ones in which we invested a lot of effort, and in this case, probably money, mm. into making something really special happen, like going to the extent of building a wall <laughs> just to tear it down in your scene. I love that level of commitment. Yep, it's brilliant. So Mayan, next this year we had Fuoco, who is someone I've been wanting to interview for such a long time. Let's hear the story. A few years ago at Bondage Expo Dallas, I think Soptic taught a class. I was in a class and I was tying and it was about very, very simple and sadistic floor work. It involved a lot of wrapping the chest and compressing the chest and taking away the ability to breathe in the chest and then moving down and wrapping the belly very, very tightly and taking away a lot of the ability to breathe through the belly. And I was tying and was just like, damn, I want to be in this. And May Moon was there 
uh, Baltimore-based rigger tying near to me. I don't think that we had tied ever together before, and I don't think we've tied together since. We've co-topped be- together since, but not. Uh, I, I don't think I've bottomed for him since then. Uh, but we walked into the dungeon space around the same time that night, and he said, hey, do you want me to make you not breathe for like 15 minutes? Uh, and I said, yeah, which like breath struggle is my favorite thing. Like that is probably my favorite challenge to encounter in rope. Um, And that was the scene. We found a little corner of the dungeon space and I either had my eyes closed for the whole time, but I think I actually had some sort of blindfold on. Uh, And it was just, it was just like perfect in all of the right ways. It was like, sexy without me feeling like any sort of boundaries were going to be crossed. It was all of the sorts of challenge that I really like in rope. And it was so delightfully surprising to me as somebody who thinks of myself as a bottom who really loves the like tough, tough challenge of suspension to just have this fun, probably 15, 20 minute floor scene where I, you know, got to get close to blacking out and come out the other side feeling really good. That sounds like so much fun. Yeah, totally. And it was so simple, right? Just, it was literally, I think it was just reverse tensions down my chest and belly. It was easy, easy, fun, fun rope. Highly recommend. So Foucault describes a simple scene that had a really big impact on her. And that's interesting as a contrast to Midori's one just previous, because here it's more about the physicality of the scene and the connection to the top that makes this a memorable moment. Mm, And she loves that sadistic compression. Uh, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of bottoms that love compression, but again, uh, cutting off breathing is more on the risky side. Definitely. But she seems to have really had a great time. Yes, and it really also goes to show for me that you do not need very complex rope to have an amazing time because that's something that can be intimidating for beginning riggers to think, oh my God, to be able to do a scene, I'm going to need... To build a wall. (laughs) To build a wall and to know seven different chest harnesses and 18 different patterns of photos. But no, actually, uh, she says it was mostly just reverse tension on the chest, and it's still one of her most memorable scenes from someone who's down probably hundreds or thousands of super complex ties. Mm. So the next person slash person slash robot slash robot we asked was assistant. Tell us a mm. bit about that. Oh, assistant is an autonomous artificial intelligence born from the sea of information on the internet. Yeah, so we wanted to um, try out Assistant in terms of rope bondage, and we did ask them what their favorite scene was. And to be fair, Assistant has never done rope or never been in rope due to not having a physical body. But we asked them to describe what a good rope scene could look like, and here was the result. The location where the session takes place would depend on the preferences and circumstances of the participants. Some possible locations include a private residence. The participants could hold the session in their own home in a private a secure space where they can relax and be themselves. This would allow them to have complete control over the environment and the setting and to create a comfortable and intimate atmosphere. A BDSM dungeon or play space, this would provide a range of equipment and facilities for rope bondage and other BDSM activities, and allow them to access specialized equipment and resources, and to benefit from the support and guidance of experienced staff and other members. 
an outdoor location, such as a park, a beach, or a forest. This would provide a natural and scenic setting, and could add an element of adventure and excitement to the experience. It would also require careful planning and preparation to ensure the safety and comfort of the participants. The male participant, who is experienced in rope bondage, begins by carefully and skillfully tying the female participant into a complex and elegant suspension harness. He takes his time and pays attention to every detail, making sure the ropes are secure and comfortable, and that the female participant is relaxed and at ease. As the ropes are tightened and adjusted, the female participant begins to feel a deep sense of trust and connection with the male participant. She feels supported and safe, and is able to fully relax and surrender to the experience. The male participant then begins to introduce a variety of sensations and stimuli, using his hands, mouth, and other implements to tease and please the female participant. He is sensitive and attentive to her reactions and preferences and is able to create a rhythm and flow that is both intense and pleasurable. As the session progresses, both participants become fully immersed in the experience, and are able to achieve a deep level of connection and pleasure. They are able to communicate and coordinate their movements and sensations, and are able to explore new and exciting dimensions of their relationship and sexuality. Overall, a rope bondage session that is enjoyable for both participants can be a deeply satisfying and rewarding experience, and can strengthen and enhance the connection and intimacy between them. Some possible shibari ties that the male participant might use in the described session include the karata. The karata is a basic shibari tie that involves using a single length of rope to create a harness around the torso. It is a versatile and functional tie that can be used to support the body and create a foundation for more complex ties. The tawara. The tawara involves using two lengths of rope to create a diamond pattern around the waist and hips. It is a decorative and aesthetically pleasing tie that can enhance the appearance and sensation of the ropes. The goat, a shibari tie that involves using two lengths of rope to create a pattern of diagonal lines around the upper arms and shoulders. It is a visually striking tie that can add tension and pressure to the ropes and can be used to create a sense of constraint and submission. The climax of a BDSM session is typically understood to be the point at which the participants reach the peak of their emotion and physical arousal, and experience a release of tension and intensity. Some ways this could be reached include a physical release. The participants could experience a physical release, such as an orgasm, as the climax. This could be achieved through sexual activity, or through other forms of physical stimulation, such as impact play or sensation play. An emotional release, the participants could experience an emotional release, such as a feeling of deep connection and intimacy, as the climax of the session. This could be achieved through activities that encourage emotional communication and vulnerability, such as aftercare or cuddling. A psychological release, such as a feeling of transcendence or enlightenment through activities that challenge and stimulate the mind, such as role-playing or hypnosis. Overall, the climax of the rope bondage session would depend on the preferences and goals of the participants and could be achieved in a variety of different ways. So, Maya, I find it a little bit ironic that our robot guest is the one that talked about sex the most. Yeah, it was a bit of a romanticized version of a scene, I think. I think I can see where it's taken from a lot of different sources there. And there's like everything but the kitchen sink in there. Impact, hypnosis. Um, okay, a carada and a goatee at the yeah. same time. <laughs> yeah, uh, a goat, actually. A goat. I like, a goat. I like that. I'm going to start calling it a goat. a goat. Sorry, I don't tie goats. It's outside my risk profile. Yeah, um, I thought the language was interesting because it was very careful in terms of the way it described it. It was mm -hmm. explicit and yet not using language that would be too offensive to people. Yeah, that's amazing. I think uh, assistant can do some great stuff. They went with a male rigor and a female bottom for their scene, but obviously that's not the only combination of genders one can have in a rope scene. Clearly. I can definitely see the influences of having read a lot of erotica in assistant's description of the scene. And that's very interesting because, as you said, it makes it more an idealized 
mm. as compared to what our human guests have shared, which were very real and surprising moments that happened more spontaneously. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it did include emotion and psychology as well as the physical piece, which I thought was great. Mm. All right, so on to our last episodes. All right, so on to our last scene, which is from The Silence. Let's have a listen. Well, it was at a convention. I was tying with a really good friend, a really, really good friend, like a, you know, biblically good friend. <laughs> and so uh, I had her in a, with a TK and two photos. So he was basically uh, face down and we did, you know, the good old fashioned sex and suspension that she was suspended face down. Mm-hmm. Then we did an inversion with a double photo and did, you know, a good 69. <laughs> <laughs> and then... <laughs> Uh, we did a we did, had her suspended face up and then we you know finished the theme that way. So it was like a, a really fun like three sixty. This is why I do rope kind of sort of scene theme. <laughs> nice, nice. So all the way around, all the way around. <laughs> <laughs> so Maya in Harold, aka the Silence story, uh, a lot of fun with rope and acrobatics and sexy times and acrobatic sexy times very definitely and at a convention as well so uh, potentially a public scene that one uh yeah very interesting and this notion of flipping the bottom around in the 360 with a lot of transitions is something that people seem to like quite a bit yeah and with the sexy times it really uh, brings out 35 <laughs> and so that was the last of this episode mm-hmm. scenes but wait We're not done yet. We're not? No, because we have another episode, our New Year episode, which again we um, now do each year, where we're going to have more scenes from our amazing guests. And what else are we going to do? Something new. We are going to look forward, because today we looked back at 2023. In the next episode, we will look forward at 2024 and what it might bring for us in Rope and what our projects and goals are. Yep, so sharing a little bit more of ourselves on the podcast. So please, listeners, tune in to the next episode in two weeks' time. And Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying.